Welcome back to Season 2 of the Aware Podcast. In this global podcast, Nikki and Sarah, your hosts, chat to inspirational guests who have all had a breakthrough moment in either life, leadership or business. We share our adventures as we talk through the moments, courage, laughter and insight. A big thank you to all our listeners and we hope that you're going to enjoy Season 2 as much as you did Season 1. Don't forget rate, review, subscribe and share to keep us moving forward. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We're again and another special edition where Nikki and I are unpacking lived experience versus strategic learning, multipods or divergent minds, and the skill shortage. So we're really looking at moving from the me to the we. And of course, uh, Nikki brings her saggy pelvis into the conversation. Hope you enjoy. A big thank you to Bella Hayward from the D Word podcast for her incredible editing of what can often be a chaotic ride. Well, hello, listeners out there again. I am so excited to have Nikki back pumped and ready at the microphone and we're going to talk a lot today about all connected topics really a really fascinating area of lived experience skill shortage and multipods so i think you're going to hear a lot learn a lot and have a bit of fun as we unpack this area of business how are you i'm doing pretty well i found obviously with the last few weeks have been a bit personally challenging is that this topic really resonates with me because Mm. it's about moving from the me to the we you know what do we want our life to be and how can we capture everything that we do and associate some values so we learn things through lived experience we learn other things through more structured learning Mm. from people around us from our tribe that Mm -hmm. we've talked about before but we also 
learn so much by our own style in that sometimes we get bored. So some people say we're impatient. Other people <laughs> really? say that, you know, we actually just like the learning journey. Yeah. So we like to pivot and swivel mm. and do mm. things differently. Yeah. We're going to touch in later on about the discovery of the multipod, which connects to that. But when you said let's do lived experience as a form to help secure the skill shortage dilemma that is currently very big in America, but obviously is going to travel worldwide. Tell our lovely listeners more about what do you think? What is lived experience? Look, lived experience to me, when sort of it first started being a true discussion point, was more about if I've done it before, as a coach, I can have compassion because of my own life journey. But I think lived experience is a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. Lived experience is about there being differences in title of jobs that we hold, but interpretation, we all come across situations of the need for complex problem solving. If we're a cleaner, then Versus we're CEO of one of the top 100s. Mm. Everything that we do, what changes and varies that lived experience is our ability to apply the principles of the methodology mm. of how we come up with outcomes, how we pose decisions, how we think a bit more laterally. Mm. But I think one of the other things is that lived experience, and Sarah, you and I experienced it as coach, Mm. is that you need to build trust quickly, Mm. no matter what job you do, no matter what position you hold. And the best way that people can see that is you've been there, you've done that before. And we recently, with our work with Griefline, have done some sessions around our ability to help people experiencing grief and complex loss is around the fact that we've all experienced different loss, Mm. we've all experienced different hurdles along our life, Mm. and lived experience teaches us so much but boy it's undervalued you go for those jobs and they want to know what organization you're a member of Mm. what degree you've done how Mm. many master's applications Mm. there are but hey don't undervalue what you learn just through your everyday experiences yep what you're saying is powerful to me and we were talking a bit earlier about this article that I saw Badoosh who is a leadership coach and a speaker on TED Talks he put up a post that says basically the slogan was hilarious and it said willfully put yourself through shit and I think that is what we're saying at some level which means the people that have gone through shit in the workplace that have had the difficult boss the difficult colleague the job that they hate and have worked through it learnt lived and come up the other end what they add as leaders and as colleagues and as team members is incredible it's not the degree they have in their hand or the piece of paper but it's the lived experience of battling through difficult situations or people and learning how to navigate that and that you can't teach at uni no matter what anyone says it gives you really that different lens as to I've gone through stuff I've walked out the other side but I'm also have this embedded quality now that I'm going to ensure nobody else has to sit through it's Mm. like as a mother I don't know about others or any parent where you sit back and go oh no I wouldn't do that because my mother used to do that and it 
frustrated the hell out of me. Mm. Or my dad used to do that. I'm going to be present. And it's the same thing is that when you've experienced anything yourself, personally and professionally, you create strategies and that resilience that Mm. you're not going to place others in that Mm. situation. And I think that's one of the most undervalued Mm. component of Mm. lived experience. Like I'm seeing a trend now, particularly at the board level here in Australia. I'm not sure it'd be interesting for our OS listeners to feedback, but definitely a trend in applications for lived experience. It's not enough that you are passionate or you've got working experience. They're now looking at the board level of, yes, but have you lived it? In what way have you connected or been with the people that we are servicing? It's really important. It's a bit like when I talk about customer proposition. I am kind of fond of shopping, hence my new mat at the door saying, shh, don't tell my husband there's another package, (laughs) is to think for yourself in the shoes of if it be your team member, if it be your customer. And nearly every situation, we find ourselves that we need to make a choice, we need to connect, and we need to get that clarity around what are we doing it for in the first place. And lived experience gives you a great deal more value than theory alone. That's right. There's a clause, though, I'm going to chuck yeah. out here right now, that lived experienced enough isn't enough. And I was doing an interview earlier today with a lovely woman and she was asking about the mindset coaching that we both do. And we were talking about... There is a flood of life coaching, which is based on I've had a life experience, I've gotten help for it, and now I feel that I can go out into the world and coach everyone Mm -hmm. on everything. And unfortunately, lived experience is about the process of learning, of having that lived experience, coming out of it with wisdom, and then working that wisdom into a bigger picture that is actually based in reality and based in intellect and in, I think, the understanding of people the awareness of people at a greater level than just saying i've lived that and therefore i'm qualified yes i've lived that and i am qualified qualifications can come from doing a course qualifications come also fundamentally the aligned principle of where lived experience becomes that mindset methodology is around even through the lived experience i went through steps Mm. and it's the ability to replicate those Mm. and coupling that with being a subject matter expert is what rounds people and i so wholeheartedly agree with sarah Mm. in that life coach is the next career of everyone (laughs) you know it's we've all been there done that before Mm. so we must be able to help others but as you know and as we Mm. know when you're choosing a coach what are you actually choosing you're choosing their ability to assimilate with what you're going through Mm. and rationalize it So lived experience alone won't give you everything. No. But lived mindfulness and Mm. mindset coupled with lots of other aspects will give you Mm. that full bucket of what you need. Yeah, And that's why that willfully put yourself through shit metaphor. Mm. I love that. I love that idea of being fearlessly able to stand in that shit fest that's going on around you, knowing in the back of your mind, if I can only make it through this, then... I can take this as wisdom and I can use this in so many different ways, but I can share how I got through it too. And so we are very fearful of struggling. We are fearful of challenge and conflict. And I love the idea 
that if we're going to really bounce off lived experience and fill that skill gap that's developing rapidly, then it's really about training ourselves to be more resilient in those really tough moments so that we can go, ah, oh, yeah, but I will apply that later. Yes. If I can hang in here and not see it as A, but see it as B, then it's a learning process and that I can use later on down the track. And I think it's also, you couple that with, I'm a big believer, I mean, one, I talk to myself a lot, as I know Sarah does, <laughs> but it's much. really around that self-reflection. Mm. Self-reflection, you know, when you, not only the things that worked well, but the really crappy days. What made today more unbearable than another day? Mm. Because what it does is it highlights those triggers, highlights the blockage that got you in that mood mm. that couldn't allow you to move forward. Mm. And they all become, I mean, to me, I assimilate lived experience is it's really about popping more exposure to things in my toolkit. And if we're looking for innovation and creativity as the markers of who we want to employ in the future and who are we looking for to lead us, you have to have more than your qualification. You do have to have a bit of knock around and a bit of lived experience in order to give that extra element that we're looking for, which is a different way of looking at things. It is. And I think gone are the days when I first started in sort of the people management and leadership sort of functions of it being, well, performance reviews are all about what course do you want to do next? Maybe it's also about what mentor, what people, what experiences do I want to associate with when we could travel a lot more, but we can do it locally as well and virtually Mm. in terms of what organisations do we want to be able to be exposed to things that we don't normally get exposed to? Mm. Because that's part of what lived experience is, expanding your spectrum of what you're exposed to because that builds knowledge. Yeah. We were talking earlier and you said particularly in America at the moment there's a skill shortage why is that why do you think America is struggling to fill those spots in the workplace I think in America like lots of other countries there's been this strong divide between the professional and working class and I think what's occurred is that there really hasn't been a recognition of the valuable contribution that everyone makes to an organization's success, to their individual platform of Mm. success. And so what we've found is that during the pandemic, people felt that those more working class roles were dispensable. Mm. And what they've found is that more than ever, someone's got to do every part of the process. There's no point in having an amazing strategy, but then at the next Mm. point, having no one that has the functional expertise that has the foresight to be happy to do it yeah and so we've created this divide around the fact that we don't see other roles as valuable as a ceo in my opinion the lived experience gained in every single role is what makes the world go round do you think we have generated a work culture where everyone wants to be the CEO and we are not installing enough pride in being the janitor because everyone's a part of the wheel and I think the pandemic not that we want to keep mentioning the the p word 
But I think there's been some great highlights about the value of everyone in an operation, everyone in the organisation. And I'm wondering if we got so busy all trying to be the, the top enchilada, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that what we've done is negate the small things. Absolutely. And I think what we've done is that we've lost sight of the true importance as everyone is a contributor. Mm. And this is where we're seeing a lot of skill shortages. I mean, in Australia, without the amount of backpackers and international travellers, mm. what we're finding is that there is a huge gap within our agriculture and what were traditionally seen as non-skilled roles for all the nuts and bolts work. And what we've found is that these people have an incredible work ethic. And what we're finding is in Australia, who else is prepared to do that? Mm. Because we haven't placed value. It's not because the role is any less worthy. It's that we haven't placed value on it. But you don't get the profits on the table if you don't have the people and you value at the source of a product. Well, that's a really great way of looking at it because if we don't have the pickers, for example, and we're not using their experience of travel, of knowing how to do it in different environments and different yep. cultures and different temperatures, and we don't embrace them, then why would anyone else want to do that job? So what we've done is set up for failure and Absolutely. COVID has shown that because we can't import those people in anymore to fulfill those jobs. But we haven't made it enticing or valued it enough for people here to want to do those jobs. That's correct. And I think that's really important because it goes back to your point about why is the CEO the most important role? Mm. I've always been a true believer in the closest point to procuring the product and the customer interaction they're the most critical roles mm. because we're all based on that human connection and the need that we're looking to fulfill so why don't we switch and we flip mm. the ceo gets paid more than the person that's serving the customer every single day and this is where lived experience because not every ceo whilst they absolutely have a role to play but not every ceo can stand in front of an argumentative customer and be able to turn that into a buying situation yeah it is the value and I think maybe that's kind of the message we're trying to say is looking at the skills you have in your organization and doing an internal check do we value it if they're gone if we wipe out that section of our industry or our organization what happens and you can yep. see it's like you know the sticks game you pull that stick out and everything collapses that's correct so how do we value invest in that treasure that reward that and I'm not talking just money there's many ways you can do it yeah. opportunities around should we be looking less at what our succession path is of job A to job B and looking more at what is our talent pool of competencies. Mm. And that talent pool is made up of expertise in performing a task, mm. but also the mindset, also that discovery technique, also that person that's willing to jump into a task when they typically sit behind a desk yeah. and get their hands Gorgeous. dirty. Means. Flattening of the hierarchy. We're all Absolutely. about flattening, except for my stomach, but we're all about flattening aren't yeah, we? absolutely so let's take that what my flat stomach yeah that's not gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> never gonna happen now <laughs> let's take that whole thought process to that next level around yeah. how do you incorporate lived experience and the value and talent pool of it into your more structured learning environment because in no way are we saying that there's not value in structured learning because mm. we all acquire knowledge differently but how do you give it the same weight 
I think to me, uh, structured learning only works when you have incidental learning attached to it. Yep. So while we are in a process of an organisational mindset to learn, we've got a process and there's a pattern to it and there's an outcome or an assessment value, anything like that. It is, and if you always look in groups, it's the incidental learning around all those topics that enhances it and embeds it into our framework. Yeah. So I think lived experience has definitely a huge market in structured learning by the incidental conversations and the adding value of, but I remember when I was 15, you know, serving at our supermarket back in the day, I learned X, Y, and Z about, you know, difficult customers or difficult colleagues or anything like that. And this is what I did then. And often you'll find it hasn't changed much because being human is a really consistent thing, you know, respect, value, care, These are things that we always want, no matter how old you are or how long you've been in the workforce. So is it really incidental learning, another word, another descriptor for lived experience? You know what, Nikki, I like that better. I know lived experience is very, you know, now. Yeah. But incidental learning, I think, allows us to understand how we learn, how we apply the lived experience into an everyday format of learning. But more importantly, as you said, how do we not make structured learning lose as a part of promoting lived experience? Because we always do this all or nothing thing. You know, a new thing happens and we dump the old and we grasp the new and then we realise, oh, maybe the old had some value too. Yeah, and I think because they're complementary. Structured learning alone will not give you as much as structured learning and incidental learning. Yeah. So probably more where the context is, is that structured learning helps you rationalise the methodology that you acquire through incidental learning. Yeah. If you could take that incidental learning, that lived experience and say, okay, how does that fit to how I do it next time? And embed that and align that as examples within your more structured learning, wouldn't that expand our and solve our problem of skill shortage? I think it'd go a long way into opening up a conversation about how we manage the skill shortage, definitely. And I think that's a great throw out to everyone who's got a business and is struggling about how do I work with the more formalised training process that we have and this incidental learning. And the only way we get incidental learning is in the group dynamic. It's in allowing conversations to flow and giving space to relationships building where there is trust and safety to talk about your experiences in the past. Yeah, because I think it really focuses on we have so many subject matter experts, but Mm. it doesn't necessarily translate them to being a leader that can transfer knowledge. Mm. Because without the lived experience, you can't put yourself into the context of every individual who learns who has a different value set etc so I think combining both and when if you were choosing a learning path or a learning methodology I think it really captures into you're looking for something that not only assesses where you are today but looks at how do you build that path Mm. in the future because it may not be a course that you attend maybe it's actually engaging yourself in being a volunteer for an organisation to understand the hardship. It might be an investment strategy in a business that if the choice is from a consumer Mm. to take a product Mm. that is non-renewable or Mm. uses up our forestry products 
don't you want to align yourself with an organization that focuses on reforestry processes and practices? So it's mm. all about choice mm. and the understanding impact of our choices. Yeah, I agree. I think there's some really great points there. And I'm also thinking is shifting the dynamic. And again, we're back to flattening things. But instead of thinking that the C-suite and above hold the knowledge, it's actually allowing and allocating the other members of the organization to hold the knowledge, like using mm. them as as the resource to lead rather than instruct them on how to lead. And of course, you know, we've got to be careful again that we're not saying everyone who's in an organisation has this capacity. It goes back to what we're saying. Wisdom is the ability to learn, live, and then be able to share that in a constructive way. Yeah, look, absolutely. It's a bit like I was talking to a client the other day and it was a new client that I was talking to. And I asked them what was their organisational structure because they were having some challenges with dynamics of sort of the more senior members of the team. I said, do they have positional authority over others? And they said, no, there is no hierarchy. It's all about everyone as a contributor to an outcome. And whilst that's great, you've got to have a lot of systems around it and still some methodology because mm -hmm. it doesn't matter, in my opinion, where the subject matter sits, it's their ability and opportunity to contribute. Mm. And, and to move and change, adapt, upskill as the businesses grow. And that stalling measurement, we have a method of identifying the stalling yeah, that's process right. in, in careers. But yeah, Nikki, I think there's some interesting stuff to flesh out there. Mm. I wonder how many businesses are going to be inspired to sit down at their board meetings or their team management meetings and asking themselves, where is our incidental learning or lived experience people? Where's that knowledge sitting in our organisation? And how do we value yeah. it and capture it better? Mm, yeah. Going back to that stalling of learning in an organisation, mm. we keep it too closely held in the pockets where it's acquired mm. and the only way anyone grows is the ability to transfer that mm. and that makes me think of the kind of cultural thing we have about knowledge like knowledge mm. is power and the more knowledge you have the more power we're actually arguing against that we're saying knowledge Absolutely. isn't power knowledge is shared and knowledge is only power when shared that's right because knowledge in its own right is actually a blockage mm. to others acquiring knowledge and others applying their individualized thought process to maybe bring out the gem that you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, share your knowledge. That's what we're saying. That's share correct. Mm. Just because you acquire and you get to a certain level or you want to be the next CEO of the future doesn't mean that it's a path that continues to mm. stop. And I, I suppose it really leads into Sarah's latest buzzword um, <laughs> and research around yeah. multipods. Yeah. So multipods, let me tell you about tell this. Tell me all about it because, <laughs> oh, you know, no, I'm I... thinking of a multi-leveled coffee pod or a new oh. home that has a multiple levels yeah. that's a pod. Well, look, I was just mucking around looking at things and I was listening to a TED Talk by Emily Watnick. And I thought, what on earth is she talking about? And then I went, oh, my God, that's us, Nikki. We are called multi-potentialites, multipods for short. And what it really means is we never ever had one true calling. And we are these absorbers of knowledge, excitement, careers, ideas. And my mother said, from the word go, Sarah, you make me laugh. You do something, you get success and accomplish it, and then you drop it and move on to the next thing. And she actually thought it was hilarious 
guess how I would just go, yeah, well, I'm bored now with that. I've done that. I've learned all I need to know now for that. I'm sated and I'm off on my next target. And my business coach, lovely David, used to say, well, you've got the mind of an entrepreneur. But I didn't really think I had an entrepreneurial mind because I'm not that thirsty. Yeah. You know that I'd sort of sell my soul in order to achieve that level of success. So I went into it. I looked into it, Nikki. So these are the things we know about multipods. It really means you don't have one true calling. You kind of have that, yeah, I got this. <laughs> and then that drives your disengagement with whatever you're doing. And you go off and find your new buzz, your new thrill, which you and I do. Yeah, we do it every constantly, day. Yeah. It goes back to probably a lot of our focus is around if I had to pick the most critical skill set that I want in someone is not necessarily what they've done before, but their thirst for the discovery mindset. Yeah, yeah. And we can't not dive into that. Look, it was a really interesting thing. I don't agree with all of it. Yeah. I like the idea that it's the move away that by being many things or having many interests or many career paths, that that's not a dysfunctionality, that that's actually a multipod. It's a drive to know and then move on and then drive to know. And it's a collection of wisdom and a collection of knowledge. So I love that. I know as doing many phases of recruitment over the years, when people look at resumes and go, oh my goodness, they jump around to a different job every 12 months, two years. And people in the past, and still a lot of people now, look at that as why and look at it as more of a shortcoming. But what I'd really suggest is why don't we switch it? And rather than put that resume to the side, why don't if there's something in that resume that's of interest, mm. get that person and ask them what they learned from that period as opposed to making the presumption that it means they can't stick at anything. I think that's a fantastic idea because we do, and I'm guilty of it, Yeah. of looking at, even though I do it myself, <laughs> looking at resumes and going, man, you're switching every couple of years here. So either you're missing the mark, you're applying for jobs just for money yep. and getting bored and leaving, or every couple of years you're wearing out, you're burning out, either you're burning the business out or you're burning yourself out. But the idea is that as us multipods, out there we excel in idea synthesis and what that really means is we are really great at combining two different ideas to be creative and innovative mm -hmm. and I like that idea because I think that sits nicely with how I like to think you know I'm always grabbing things and another sign of a multipod and again it just makes me laugh because these are the things my family say to me all the time so we're in Nikki's office right now but she's got one two three screens going we've got whiteboards we've got stickies up we've got phones going and that's the only way that we can attend it's not ADHD yes. or ADD it's actually the absorption the fast processing of knowledge and moving it really quickly and I think that's a nice thing it's called rapid learning and I call it go hard observe absorb and own we come in we go hard we learn it and then we move on but I think it also extends to, therefore, the ability to be able to always say, of course I can. Mm. Because what we don't know, we find out multipods have that ability and the internal focus to be able to take something new, apply, blend. Mm, transferable skills. And thing. that's correct. And mm. it does go back to that everything we've talked about, mm. to be a multipod, to be the CEO that can juggle 
anything in a completely new industry is because of the fact that they're a multipod. I reckon we need to throw it out there to all C-suites and business owners and even start-uppers about if you're resonating with this. We are morphing creatures. We adapt very fast, adjust to any situation. You know me. There's a downside. There's a downside. I'm always looking to, yeah, 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 that sounds great. And I could get a t-shirt saying I am a multipod and feel very proud about it. And at least it explains the way I work and the way my career path has always been and, 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 and. Yes. But part of looking at this was to tap into Barbara Sher's work and she's got a book and she calls them scanners. She calls multipod scanners. But I don't want to be a scanner. See, scanners have a lot of the multipod stuff, but they aren't successful. And I think that's the difference between a multipod. A multipodder is successful. They achieve in what they do. They do it. They do it really well. They hit the mark and then they go, that's enough. I need to learn more. Whereas scanners looking at Barbara's work often fail. They often underachieve and they often aren't very successful. So I think there's a big difference. The only downside, though, of a multipod is that they also therefore get incredibly frustrated <laughs> what us <Yeah>. no <laughs> with what perceives when other people stick to their lane oh yes yes and we get frustrated by the fact that they can't conceptualize outside their lane so one of the challenges of blending organizations that do have people that stick to their functional expertise is a multipod balancing not getting frustrated and instead apply their well-crafted ability to transfer knowledge in the language of a different audience. I think that's an enormous amount of my coaching work is training people to be a little bit of a multipod. Yeah. Allowing them to understand the freedom of letting go and the freedom of embracing something that could be new with the unknown. But yes, you're right. And I'll put my hand up. Definitely in the past, meeting people who are just so stuck. They're like those bowling alleys with the sides up. Yeah. You know, the ball can only go one way. There's no falling out into the sides. Multipod. We have to be a bit compassionate for those that can't think on five levels at one time and still produce a successful outcome. That's right, because we are well recognised. You know, if other people walked into the office today and looked at all the bits of paper (laughs) around the wall and this mad brain dump on our whiteboard, then people would look at it and go, that makes no sense because it can be something where you're all guns are blazing and you're full of energy, but other people go, hang on a Mm. I've got to catch up. Yeah. As, so, as we say in the industry, you've got to walk with your client, not run ahead. That's and even exactly though mentally right. you're five steps ahead, yeah. you've got to slow that down and go, if I don't walk with them, I lose them. I'll be so far ahead, they won't be able to catch up. That's correct. And I think that comes back to today was all about solving that skill shorty. So balancing all of those and just like where lived experience needs more value mm. attributed to it, as does to not lose sight of the value of structured learning. The essence of where you're truly successful is the ability to blend that so that we can be multipods, but maybe multipods with a bit more focus. Yes. <laughs> and attention span. It's a skill, a teachable skill. Oh, it is skill. definitely a skill. We wanted to kind of wrap it up in that Mm. sense that never be afraid, but also be fearless enough Mm. to say, I really need to know what exists within me, Mm. within my leaders, but also across every element of my organization. 
let's not just do a spreadsheet or a data dump out of a HR system on succession planning. Let's actually capture the why and how they can be tweaked or applied to involve and engage more people in your overall mission because all of that will put more profit on the table. Absolutely. Because they're engaged, they're participating and ultimately delivering a far better outcome to everyone. And again, value. When we feel valued, we give 110. Absolutely. Okay, so let's look at our distractions, the fun bit of how you and I manage to be both incredibly good at what we do and still make an ass of ourselves. Yeah, look, I think, you know, it is actually a skill set that we've probably mastered nearly as well as... <laughs> it's one of our multipod skills. It is one of our multipod skills, but we continue to expand on it every day because <laughs> we're uncoordinated oh, and man. really just don't always get that balance. You know, a lot of people talk about self-care and self-care about doing yoga or taking a breath or going for a walk. Now we're in lockdown, so the only reason to leave the house is really to do critical work, essential work, or to go out and do exercise. Well, I do the critical work, but I don't necessarily do the exercise. And <laughs> and what I found this week was that that came back to bite me because it's a laugh. I know I'm unfit, but it's also I'm either also incredibly old because. <laughs> I managed to put my back out this week purely just by walking. And upon correction from the chiropractor, apparently I have a saggy pelvis. Ouch, I mean, they shouldn't be allowed to call a woman's pelvis saggy. No, I mean, the imagery, Nikki, the imagery is just correct. But what it also made me do is to, because of course I'm groaning about how much pain I'm in, but what it also does is makes you laugh at yourself. Oh, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) You know, they really say that. Laughter is the best medicine. Laugh and learn lessons, that's what we call it. Laugh and learn. And so my laugh and learn, really learning this week, has been about the fact that all those times it probably is of, I'm at that point where I should probably do at least something because otherwise other parts of me will fall apart. Well, there'll be a lot of saggy bits if you don't (laughs) care. That's right. Well, my distraction, this was, again, in the lines of something that I truly am addicted to, and that is, well, there's two things. Trying to use metaphors because I can't and humiliating myself in a public forum. So we've done a fair bit of training and development this week and on the Zoom waiting for a breakout room as you do and there's you know fair amount of people that I've never met before and in this position sort of we were in the leadership position you know have to behave ourselves apparently I can't so I start dancing to a tune in my head or a song I'm singing actually in my bad croaky voice and I'm looking at the people aghast (laughs) as they're watching this stupid woman do some bad 80s moves on zoom for no reason I mean what possessed me anyway you know Sarah's not well known for um well sorry she is well known for not remembering where the mute button or where the uh, turn the camera button off is. So as I'm sure you've all experienced through this world of Teams and Zoom, is that best laid skills right now mm. is to find those buttons no, and do. learn to master them. They annoy me. It annoys me that I have to mute and unmute. That's correct. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us. Great to be back. It's good to Finding have you ways back. I was lonely. 
doing lots of some really cool stuff. Before we go, I just want to give a big shout out. My gorgeous brother who was two episodes ago, go back and listen to him. The guy with the Midas touch, as we call him. He's got a really short, amazing, insightful, thought-provoking and scary book called The Insanity of Ideas. He's just put out on Amazon.com. Everyone should go and read this because it's a really unusual way of looking at human beings, our evolution and technology. It's not a big book. I've got it. I've ordered it. Even though I would get a free copy, I thought I'd put some money in his coffers. And I'm going to talk about it on our podcast because I think it's going to be a really interesting topic. Fantastic. All right. We're We're on to your reading. We'll see you next time. Okay. Don't forget to share. Bye. Interested in finding out more about your own level of self-awareness, emotional intelligence or leadership skills just come on to our website awaregroup.online that's awaregroup.online thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you for listening to the Aware Podcast, and we really hope you enjoyed our guest's insight and a little quiz at the end just for a bit of fun. Music for the Aware Podcast is by Tape Machine featuring LFA. The song title is This Is Who I Am. If you would like to be a guest or contact us regarding the AWARE platform, please email awarearcgroup at gmail.com. That's awarearcgroup at gmail.com. We are Nikki Mackey and Sarah Godfrey. See you next time. Bye.